0: You're listening to keynote speeches from our Melbourne Podcasters live event series. These are recorded on location live and feature the best podcast professionals in Australia who reveal the secrets, the craft and the techniques to creating a successful show. I'm Adam Jaffrey and I'm the strategy director at Wavelength Creative. We run the live events and produce the show you're listening to right now. Today's topic is titled, Is 1,000 Downloads Good? Podcast Analytics Explained, featuring our keynote speakers, Sharon Taylor, CEO at Omni Studio, and Long Jung, Head of Products at Omni Studio. Let's start by getting a bit of an idea for the podcast industry in Australia and maybe let's, you know, have a look at a bit of behind the scenes of what's happening at Omni Studio um, in terms of the numbers. You know, how many shows do you guys have? What sort of downloads are you guys serving to the podcast industry globally per month? Can you give me a bit of an idea of um, what Omni looks like?
1: Sure so an important caveat is that Omni Studio is an enterprise podcast host and so we kind of work towards the larger end of town so we look after like lots of broadcasters that are doing podcasting or TV networks or print publications that want to move into the audio space and then obviously we still have a large amount of podcasters like I think we've got about 600 what we would call podcast organizations on Omni Studio in terms of how we classify them um so at the moment we're serving around 50 million plus downloads a month across a range of geographies so through Australia through the US Canada etc
0: 50 million plus wow the plus
1: is really important Adam (laughs) I can't stress that enough (laughs) yeah um no we're solidly in the 50s and like the growth at the moment is quite quite good like I think at the moment podcasting is this really hot space. I did something a little while ago and I made this reference to it being like Zoolander where he's like, you know, so hot right now. And that is podcasting and everyone seems to want to get into podcasting. Whether you are a hobbyist like garage podcaster, whether you're a media agency, whether you're a radio network, like everything seems to be moving audio first. Um, smart speakers have kind of made that even more another level above like in terms of all these now brands and agencies that want to get into the audio space so it's kind of like there's a lot of wanky sayings out there like the renaissance of audio and the golden age of blah 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 blah. but it's true like it's a really active space and yeah it's it's the growth i think that not just us but most podcast hosts would be seeing is pretty astronomical at the moment
0: um let's talk about what a what an average podcast might look like on your platform so that we can get a bit of an idea to you know help benchmark shows you know, I mean, a lot of the people in the room here are what I would probably classify as an indie podcaster. You know, they, they produce a show for themselves. Um, they are not really making any money out of it. They're not doing it necessarily for a business that they work at. They're doing it more as a hobby. So you talked about the hobbyist. But can you give us an idea on what an average show on Omni's platform looks like?
1: Sure. So we did this in two different ways in order to get the data out. So one was what we're doing across the board at Omni Studio. And the difference was pretty negligible. Like I was pretty astounded by what it was. So the first figure that we pulled was all orgs and like everyone that's basically doing something in the last 30 days. It was like 738, 740 downloads in per episode was kind of where our average sits. And then we split that uh, a little earlier today to kind of figure out what just what we call podcasters. That was a little bit higher. That was like 756 today or roundabout. Um, And so it's really interesting to see the difference between those two numbers. Um, And so we're higher than the median. Like I know that we talked a little earlier and like Libsyn kind of pulls out their stat of 150 is an average download per episode. So we're at the higher end of town. I think when we split it out further, we figured out that 54% of our clients were doing over 5,000 per episode. So using my sample of one being me, we're kind of moving towards if you're doing a thousand downloads per episode, you're kind of hitting a pretty good stride. And then above that, going above and beyond, there's some pretty intense brackets that need to hit to compete with like the big, big end of town but it all comes down to what it is that you want out of your podcast, I suppose.
0: So I wanna ask you a bit of a political question then. Um, if, If you guys are doing about 750 downloads per episode as an average episode on Omni's platform across all of your shows, and we know that Libsyn's doing about 150, does that mean that Omni produces better podcasts?
1: No, it means that the markets that we're chasing are very different. So Libsyn and Blueberry make a metric ton of money out of the fact that they have what we call the long tail of podcasters, right? And so they go after an end of town that, you know, at scale makes a lot of money because if you're charging $9, 20 $50 per show and you have 240,000 podcasts, then you don't really care what downloads they're doing. You only care that the low end is subsidising the top end because you're not charging bandwidth. And so by nature of how they set their business up, And because they were the stalwarts of the industry and they got in so early and they have 200,000 plus podcasts, they will naturally have a lower median number. Whereas people that were later to the game, like Omni Studio, even though we're like seven years old and we've been doing Omni Studio for three and a bit years now, we needed to figure out where we were different and we're different in terms of... We built a Ferrari and not a Honda and so we go after the enterprise side of market and they naturally will do bigger downloads just because of who they are. And so I don't know that it's indicative of like I don't want to dissuade people or kind of like make people really upset with what we're doing. But I think there's those things to be really mindful of when you're comparing apples to apples versus oranges.
0: So um, if we kind of dig into like an average show a little bit more, um, we maybe look at a few different categories of of shows through their life cycle or through their growth. Are there kind of brackets of um, numbers that shows will fall into? If we know that, you know, 756 is kind of the average on Omni's platform... If you kind of dig into that a bit further, is there some that are kind of in a bracket of low hundreds and then um, a bit higher and a bit higher? What does that look like when you break it out?
1: Yeah, so again, anecdotally, but most of what we see is that a lot of podcasters hover around the 100 per episode mark and you kind of hover there for a while and then you might get to 500 and then you kind of hover there for a little bit longer and then you might hit a thousand and then you hit this peak where you're like going to 1200 and then you go back down to 800 and you question why you lost 200 downloads and then suddenly you'll get to 2500 or 3000 and then once you get to 5000 or 10,000 and 10,000 seems to be the kind of new average um using bunny fingers again Uh, to for people to kind of go you know this is where new live read sponsorships kind of come into globally in terms of the numbers people want to see you hitting as more professional players kind of enter the space and then once you get past 10,000 it's a little bit of a struggle to get to 40, and then you get to 40, and then once you hit that kind of sweet spot between 10 and 40,000 downloads per app, you've got enough of a sample that people are actually talking about your show. You know, we all talk about how podcasts grow because of word of mouth, and 100 people talking about your show will never have the same reach that 10,000 or 40,000 people will have. And so that's when you start growing to like hundreds, etc.
0: And so, as a show is going through this life cycle of, you know, um, going from 100 to a few hundred to 1,000 to 5,000, are there any things that you guys have observed in your professional opinion running a podcast hosting company that shows do to kind of ratchet up to that next threshold?
1: There's probably a couple of different things. I talk a lot about the Kevin Costner mentality, which is field of dreams, if I build it, they will come which has gotten me some pretty good traction. I know you're chuckling over there, but, um, but it's true. So people kind of think, I'll just release a podcast and kind of go for it. And there's this kind of unfair aspect of the industry, right, where if you're XYZ media company and you have XYZ amount of traffic to your website every month and you release a podcast straight out of the gate, you're probably going to do better than most podcasters that are slaving away for 10 or 15 hours a week at it. And that's unfair, but that's kind of also life. Like that's just... The commercials of it, which you know doesn't make it suck any less, I suppose, for anyone. But most podcasters, you got to think about how people will find your show. Like if you're just shouting into a void, come and find my show, and the only mouthpiece you have for that is audio. How will people find that audio if they're not already listening to the audio? So we've seen people have great results before. So if you are doing a podcast on a really niche topic and you know that there's a publication out there that wants that content. All that online publications are, for the most part, are content hungry beasts. And so, if you can provide them with more content and give them an audio file and link that to your podcast, then it serves both purposes, right? Even better to get syndicated or to get like a regular guest post or something like that, depending on what your content is about, obviously. You know, like you need to kind of serve both masters, I suppose. Share it on social media. Don't just share a whole episode. Share like a relatable bite-sized clip and find out where these people are talking about that topic and go and engage in the conversation and be aware that it's a slow and steady race and that if you do it once and no one picks it up, you have to keep doing it. Like in the same way that it takes over a year to build a show past like a thousand downloads most of the time for the majority of people, you've got to just keep chipping away. And if you've been chipping away and it doesn't work, then try something else.
0: And I know Omni has some um, great tools for converting your show from audio into video to be able to publish on social, you know, things like YouTube and Facebook video. Um, Have you seen shows that use... Social to promote uh, their episodes do better or worse, and are there any best practices you can share there? Yes,
1: yeah, so I think there was an article in 2016 that WNYC did that said that if you're promoting on Facebook with a visualized audio, you get eight times higher engagement. I know that some other firm just came out; I don't remember who they are off the top of my Headliner head. Headliner
0: came out a week ago. Thank you.
1: Yeah, um, to kind of continue to preach the good word of that.
0: Five times increase in uh, yeah, engagement yeah. for visualized audio. And if
1: you pick, uh, and there's caveats to that. Like obviously, if you pick the right thing, you know, like audio is really hard to go viral and we all kind of know that you pick the right thing and you engage in the right way then it makes that a little bit easier so yes I think that socials are really important (laughs) everyone's sick at the office of me saying this but I'm really big onto Instagram at the moment and I think that that will be the next kind of like audio discovery like if you can build out and everyone silos what it is that they're doing as a content creator or as a Entertainment or media company, but it's really all just different channels. So if you've focused a whole time, pile of time and energy building up Instagram, and you have a verified account, and you can make an Instagram post that then links out to podcast because they're allowing you to swipe up, like why would you? Why would you silo? Only, only want to grow podcasting in X way? You know, like use all of the different channels that you've got and that you've you have to focus on each of them individually. We're not a social media company, so I have no idea how to do that. But you could go and find someone to help you do that, and then each. Cross references the next and then you kind of build your your numbers up that way.
0: And so if I'm a podcaster in this room and I've got... 250 downloads per episode and I've been doing this for six months and I'm striving to get towards that 756 number or beyond, you know, into the multiple thousands. Um, Do you have any advice that you would give to that person?
1: If your listeners aren't telling people about your show, you need to change what your show is. Like if you're not seeing growth, it's because people aren't talking about what it is that you're doing and that's a really harsh piece of feedback but it's true. And so if you're at 250 and you've never done any kind of social engagement then that's where your hole is and go and fill that. If you're at 250 and you're posting every week and you've got a 1,000 followers on Twitter and X many on Facebook and X many on Instagram and you're still sitting at 250, then it's your content and you need to figure out what you're doing with your content and you need to look at where people are dropping off and why and you need to make sure that on your episodes you're asking people to tweet about you or engage with you or leave a review
0: before we move on to some of the hosting stuff um i did just want to ask one final question in terms of numbers which is can you give us a bit of an idea on um what else is happening in in the podcast world with stats so we're obviously just to kind of give you a lead in we're obviously seeing a shift from desktop to mobile um which has been happening you know for for many years and so we're seeing new players come into the space in terms of podcast apps so apple has traditionally dominated podcasts and we're seeing google have launched a podcast app called Google Podcasts Um, and so we're starting to see this big shift and growth in the space. What else is happening in terms of the numbers and and what should we be looking out for?
1: What do I think that we should be looking out for? So, I mean, I think that everyone needs to be looking at their stats to see what Google does and why and how and As more information becomes obvious about how Google wants you to index things and put things on your website, that'll change results, I'm sure. Um, Smart speakers will be the next huge thing if they're not already. Like, we were looking at a show today, and again, caveat that we play in the kind of media end of town, but, like, this show that we were looking at has grown exponentially just by having, like, a Google News kind of feed and promoting it. And it's easier, of course, if you have, like, a physical product, right? Like, if... Omo wanted to release a podcast tomorrow. They have a physical box that sits on the shelf in every single supermarket that they can brand with, hey, look, here's our podcast, and that's easier to grow. But the smart speaker revolution is here and is going to be affecting people's stats. I think that we'll see a larger insurgence of more like mini apps, like your cast boxes, etc. just because there's a lot of money flowing into the space and a lot of people think that they can make a lot of money being the YouTube of... Podcasts or the Netflix of podcasts. iTunes is the Netflix of podcasts, and they haven't done an amazingly brilliant job about you know monetizing it or sorting out what they want to do but the fact is that they're there but yes I think there's a lot of different aspects to it I think that we'll see a lot more podcasts cross-promoting on each other's shows and I think that as the larger end of town and I don't just mean radio like I know that we work with a lot of radio at Omni Studio but there are a lot of professional players that are getting into if not have already gotten to this space and we will see this kind of um, stratification of podcasting right and so the only way for those people that are a thousand episodes or lower to keep competing and moving forward. depending on what your goals are and what your strategy is and what your revenue models etc are and whether you're doing this as a hobby whether you're doing it as a business banding together will be the biggest way to move forward and so initially I thought that that would be in podcast networks and some podcast networks have been really successful others not so much and then I think the next will be cross-promoting on each other's shows and leveraging people in your own ecosystem that understand how challenging it is and kind of relying on each other for that. And then there'll always be the breakaways, right? Like those people that then get syndicated onto XYZ online publication and then they kind of move out. But that's media. That's that's the market that we've all decided to play in. And so play the game.
0: So I want to talk about media hosting. I think this is a fairly misunderstood area of podcasting. Most new podcast producers don't understand the importance of it. And flatly, they don't even understand what it is, to be honest. And so what I might do is I'm going to try and give my summary of what like the most basic version of how podcast hosting works. And then Long, you're going to correct me.
1: I have a great cake analogy as well (laughs) that we can bust out later.
0: All right. Well, you can go after me. There's kind of like four stages is how I describe. Well, four separate things, right? First is you have your MP3 file that you create and then you upload that to your media host, whether that's Omni Studio or or someone else. Your media host will create an RSS feed, which is basically like the lifeblood of your show. And then your, your listener has a podcast app on their phone or in their browser or something and then that browser or app will look at the RSS feed which says, hey, we've got a new episode and then goes and gets the MP3 file from your media host. Not bad,
1: yeah. What would you give that out of 10 long? <laughs> uh, six. Oh. <laughs> welcome, welcome, welcome to my everyday <laughs>
2: Uh, I think you got the fundamentals. Um, I think that's very uh, listener-heavy, as in, like, how listeners get the new episodes. But there's a lot more going on behind the hood on how the analytics come in, how the advertising comes in, how the file gets distributed. And so I guess to break it down a little bit more, even in the first step when you say you create that file and you upload it to us, a lot of podcast hosts, including us, uh, re-encode that file. So we take that file and we reprocess it uh, for a few reasons. One is to add additional metadata. So, for example, when you add a title, when you add a description, and when you add custom artwork, we inject that into the file so that when you serve it into a, um, when a person downloads it, when it shown on an app, it looks really nice. It has all the beautiful graphics. And we do some other neat things like, volume normalization and so all your sound sounds really awesome Uh, we do other things like adding chapter markers so you can have you know different points uh, where people can skip to so that's the first step Uh, the second step is uh, I think you mentioned creating the
0: so I had mp3 file upload to the media host which is I think what you were just talking about Mm -hmm. then I said your media host creates an RSS feed yep
2: so creating an RSS feed, so in our system, we have a notion of playlists, and uh, for Better West, that lets you kind of create lots of different collections of your files. So you can create a playlist for, of just your show, you can create a best off, you can create interviews, you can kind of break it up into however many uh, playlists you want. But we use that to basically build you um, uh, a show. And so you can have your show as an RSS feed, and most shows would. They will submit that RSS feed to iTunes. There's some you know technicalities there of, Apple Podcasts and Google Play and lots of different things have slightly different kind of um, ways of reading that RSS feed. And so you need to make sure that the RSS feed you create is compatible with all the different services and players. And then, uh, obviously, we also do things that are not just RSS feeds, like embeds. So if you wanted to play an episode on your page, that's not served by RSS feed. And so we need to serve you a player or some other means that you can link people to the show. Um, And I think the third point was people subscribing to the feed and and checking it. Um, So this one, I would guess behind the scenes for us means that we use a content delivery network. And so we don't just serve this file on one server that's that's not going to work if you have more than you know a few thousand people uh, subscribing to this feed and so we manage all the infrastructure behind the scenes to make sure that the playlist sorry the iss feed and uh, mp3 episodes are available all around the world really really quickly and so we put this file all around the world to make sure that when a user clicks on it or when they open their podcast app they can download the RSS feed in less than a few seconds. Um, and the same for the MP3 files. And when you're serving terabytes and petabytes of these files, um, making sure these systems run really well, making sure that it cost a lot of money, because obviously we charge our customers for the service as well, um, is a pretty big endeavor. And so it's great for individual podcasts who may be uploaded directly to like a web host provider or something, but if you're serving you know thousands of downloads or hundreds of thousands of downloads every month then your bills and managing all these files become a problem the missing steps would be the analytics and the monetization so analytics is looking at how people download these files and so obviously as a podcaster you want to understand how people are listening to your content where they are what sort of devices they are using Um, And there's different ways of doing this, but the way we do it is every single time a user requests a file. So the app or website or whatever is trying to play this file, we record that, and we record uh, some technical information on what the user is using, what app they're using, what browser they're using, what operating system they're using. Um, And we apply filtering on top of that. And so you would use filtering to get rid of... The bots. Like, for example, Google bot will hit your file hundreds of times because it wants to, you know, put along Google search. But you don't want to count those downloads because nobody actually heard it. That, along with lots of other apps that do really, really strange things, like there's some Android apps out there that would download your file hundreds of times over and over again for no practical reason. <laughs> um, and, and even Apple Podcasts, uh, when you are uh, in one version, when you are sticking around in the file, it would re-download the parts that you already have heard, And so you would kind of duplicate your numbers. And so we apply a whole range of um, filtering rules and logic to make sure that the download count that we give you is the most accurate. And by accurate, we mean that a person has most likely heard this and not just kind of downloaded for the sake of downloading it. So that's analytics. And then finally, monetization. This probably is more suited to the large networks that have lots of campaigns they need to manage. And so obviously, we work with a lot of uh, advertising uh, technology solutions for podcasting. We integrate their uh, ad manager, their ad stitching server. Um, so it's possible that whenever a person downloads your podcast file, the correct ad for that person, whether that's targeted by geography or by time or whatever campaign that you want to choose gets inserted into the file and gets served correctly um, and to measure that correctly so make sure that ad was correctly marked that it was seeing and so the the publishers can get paid and the advertiser can pay for that impression as well
1: is now a good time to use my cake metaphor
0: <laughs> yeah let's hear the cake metaphor and then the audience can rate all three of our uh, descriptions so I, I explained
1: my cake metaphor earlier to the team and I was laughed at mercilessly so my whole thing is okay you can upload to anywhere and there's servers and the server is the cake right and anyone can bake a cake and sometimes people don't bake it overly well either um, and it's kind of weird and soft in the middle Isaac's face is correct uh, and then the ho- podcast host over the top is the delicious icing and all the different like bits and pieces and cake decoration and now you see why my staff <laughs> laughed at me you're welcome
0: that, that was really good long thank you for explaining you know in detail what's kind of happening behind the scenes and maybe a good uh, little segue here is I want to ask what is a download and how is that different from a listen when we're talking about podcasting
1: Correct. It's not anymore. It's not. Like, I think that initially, and we were a part of this, was that there were a lot of hosts and things, cakes out there that were just counting. I'm not letting go of this, by the way, so strap in. I think there were a lot of people out there that were just counting, like, every time the RSS feed got pinged or various server things that Long will talk about in terms of technical things and that was a download and then there was this huge debate in the industry about a download versus a listen whereas now with IAB v2 um, even though I think it's a little bit too extreme um, in some respects a listen is a download and a download is is a listen like in my mind right like and I'm happy to have a debate on stage but your thoughts
2: so I guess I'll just go to the technicality so a download is a client or app requesting a file from a server That's the simplest and most kind of bare bones definition. And that can apply to any sort of file, not just podcast files. You can download application. You can download a video file. You can download an audio file. Uh, Obviously, in the world of podcasting, uh, a download is an important metric because the way podcasting is set up um, and that's set up by the spec, the RSS spec, a download is how you listen to a podcast. You download the MP3 file. So in the current scheme of things with Apple Podcasts being a market leader in how people consume podcasts, uh, there is no technical way of knowing when someone has listened to a podcast because the underlying system doesn't tell you that. Of course, you can infer that, you know, if someone is streaming this file, and by streaming, I mean they're downloading it in little kind of bite-sized chunks to play back at the same time as you're downloading it, most likely they're listening to this podcast because why else would you do that? But there is no sure way of knowing that they have listened to it. And so what the IAB guidelines you were just referring to earlier is trying to come up with guidelines that kind of give confidence to the advertisers and publishers to filter out some downloads that are probably not listens. And so you end up with downloads that are most likely listens.
0: Okay, and one thing I think is also worth defining here is that a stream, is identical to a download in the fact that a stream is just a progressive download.
2: Yeah, so there's two ways of downloading a file. You can grab it all at once, like I want this file. Or you can say, give me this file from start to finish in lots of little chunks and I'll play it as I download this.
0: Okay, and so you spoke before about filtering, um, and you talked about bots and some things like that, um, and uh, and and I know that you know different apps will request a file a different number of times and, and things like that. So basically, you know, you might be using Apple Podcasts and you press play on a file, and that doesn't just go and ask the server, you know, Omni servers for that file one time and then it downloads it and says, oh, now I've got it saved on my app, and then you play it. It actually downloads a number of times and it's requesting that file you know, potentially 20 or 30 times over the period of time somebody's listening. I don't know what the, the proper number is. Uh, but probably
2: not that high, but possibly. So if I can just draw one example, literally if you press the file in Apple Podcasts, press play, it would send what they call a head request. Um, and in layman's terms, that's kind of checking if the file exists. That's that's what it's doing. It does that once. Um, and it does it really quickly and... The server can tell that that was a head request, and so we don't count that. Next, what it'll do is it'll make a one-byte request, and what that means in simpler terms is it's trying to figure out if this server can send me lots of little chunks or does it have to send me the whole file. Most servers l- sends back little chunks, so you'll say, okay, here's one byte. That one byte is not enough to play any audio, so the, lis- the, the listener can't listen to that. And then the Apple Podcast app downloads from not the start of the file, but somewhere where the audio starts. So I don't know uh, if you guys know how big MP3 files are, but there's all sorts of stuff in an MP3 file that's not your audio file. That's got metadata, that's got artwork. And so your audio doesn't actually start at the very start of the file. And so you would kind of start somewhere around maybe a 10th of the file and then it would progressively download the rest of the file. So that, at least, is three downloads, well, technically. But, you know, if the user switches from Wi-Fi to 3G, or if they're going out of the network and they're coming back in, they're making more downloads because their download connection stopped and they're reconnected, and now they're resuming the download from uh, a new place. And so it could be, I guess, infinite amount of downloads, but practically it's around three or four.
0: Okay, and so the reason I'm going so deep into the technical details here is because it really ladders up to the big question that I want to ask, which is why should I host my files with a proper podcast media host rather than just throwing them up on my WordPress blog or on SoundCloud or on Amazon Web Services or archive.org?
2: I mean, yeah, so technically you can put your file anywhere and the file will be accessible by anyone. And so, yeah, there's no difference in where the file gets served from. The magic or the difference or the special icing on top is uh, is how different companies filter and present this information back to you. And so obviously, you could, if you're tech savvy enough, to build your own kind of filtering mechanism on top of your server. And a lot of people have if they're, if they're big enough. But you do have to maintain this. like The number of bots or the number of new apps that come out they have quirky behavior, and you have to be aware of them. You have to spend time and effort in figuring out what they're doing, what they should be doing, and how you should be counting it. Um, IAB, for example, releases new updates to these guidelines, and so if, you, if they have changes, you have to accommodate for those. And so over time, uh, this will get progressively more complicated, and there will be more and more uh, systems in place to, to make sure that you know, this is more and more accurate. If you're willing to spend the time and effort into doing that, go ahead but if you're not uh... but it's
1: but it's features as well right yeah so i mean like i'll name and shame soundcloud so soundcloud still haven't implemented ios 11 tags for like serialized content or not any proper podcast host lives and breathes podcasting on a daily basis because it's our business and it's how we make money so why wouldn't you want to be with someone that lives and breathes podcasting you know what I mean like and I I get reasonably angry sometimes about I'm sure none of you in the audience do it but like podcasters that spend thousands of dollars on microphones but don't want to spend 20 bucks a month on hosting and you're like why when we're the ones that are serving your file and like we're the responsible party for it like where is this where is SoundCloud making money off of you and the truth is they're not and so if you're on a free platform you're the product. I'm sorry but that's just how that's just how the world works. And so if you're happy to be the product, be the product, but otherwise be on a platform that is willing to invest every single dollar that they get from their customers into extending the podcast experience.
0: It, it allows you to focus on doing what you want to do, which is create great content and let someone else handle all the technical implementation details and compliance with all the different apps. And, you know, it's a very fragmented market, right? There's, you know, no shortage of, you know, maybe 20 plus of the most popular podcast apps. How do you make sure that you're getting the right numbers and distribution to all those guys? Well, you host it somewhere who knows how to do it. So, um, yeah. All right. I'm going to throw it to the audience. Who, has anyone got a question about stats, um, which we covered up top, about technical implementation of podcast feeds? Mark does. I'm coming with a the microphone. A swarm of hands
1: has emerged from the crowd. <laughs> a very small swarm. All right, thank you so much for being here, guys. It's been really, really good. Um, so in the new audio gold rush, well done on being the company selling the shovels. Very well done. Um, when I got here to Melbourne about a year ago, I met up with Matt Saracini, who used to work at Omni. Just asked him about podcasting. I, I wanted to be a podcast host back then didn't happen until a couple months ago, so he sang your praises at Omni. And yet, after all that, I didn't go with Omni to do my hosting. I was wondering if you guys knew of this little company over in Austin, Texas called Fireside and if they're on your radar at all. I have heard of them. I would be lying if I said that I knew what they did. So I'd be interested to know what they do. They do site hosting as well as podcast hosting. So it just, it's just really easy for me. Um, do you guys have anything like that on the roadmap? Not not, not, not really, yeah. Uh,
2: not, I don't think, to, to address your particular problem, yeah. But we do have plans for better customization of what we call our uh, share pages. And so you can have your own show page and you can upload custom artwork and custom colours and custom domain in front of it. But I don't think that would go as far as a complete custom website.
0: Sharon, you mentioned earlier about smart speakers and how they were going to have a really big influence. Could you just expand on that a little bit because I sort of get it but I don't think I'm getting it as much as you're getting it
1: sure so I think again with everything in audio there's layers of success and layers of like usage of things so I thought that Apple HomePod was going to be the best choice for podcasts because it obviously one in goes with the other right like they could build this beautiful ecosystem and listening experience and i think that if you know what you're listening for then that's really cool i think that probably google's doing a better job of handoff between apps yeah in terms of if you start listening on your phone then you can go home and listen on your google home etc and so i think they've probably pipped them at the post which is criminal given apple have such like a you know 60 percent kind of market share of podcasting still
2: I was going to say it's also so easy. Like, for example, if you were to actually go through the process of finding, subscribing and playing podcasts on a phone, you know, if you have an iPhone, great. You have Apple podcasts. If you have Android, you know, dig through the app store, find it. Whereas on one of these smart speakers, you just literally say the name of the podcast and it starts playing it um and so it's really really easy to get started yeah
1: like i just think in general with smart speakers so if we go like outside of podcasting so we're literally in a world now where children are growing up with robots in the home and they will experience radio as a smart speaker and they will experience shopping through a smart speaker and they will experience audio and everything through these things, right? And that's a real kind of like black mirror like view of the world. But it's true. Like if you look at the market growth that these things have been having and we in the podcasting space pat ourselves in the back because one year on to the next we grow at two percent or four percent and we're like, it's amazing. These things are miles above that. Like it is it is the way. And like with Amazon in the space, like we should be simultaneously gleeful and terrified of what it is that they're going to do for the podcasting side of things i think it'll be easier for brands to get into the podcasting and audio space again because they've got product right like they've got a physical like if heineken wanted to make a podcast they've got this product that i can drink and then i look at a thing on the side that says hey check out ask alexa for the heineken skill whatever it is that they choose to design and that this is the easier way into audio for them I think that a lot of people will change the way their listening habits are in terms of audio. And I think that people will start listening to podcasts and short form content on podcasts even more. Like if you look at what these things are used for on a day in day out basis, in the morning, it's like traffic, news, weather, I think is the next biggest. There's an opportunity for content there, right? Like NPR's up first is doing how many millions of downloads a week. And nothing in Australia exists like that at the moment. Partially probably because of the ROI. Like it would be a lot of money to staff up a show to do that when you only have, you know, 40 or 60% of the market. Like, and the market is really small. But there's, there's opportunities there to create like two, three, seven-minute pieces of content and be first onto these speakers. And then if you're first onto these speakers, so like why one of the banks in Australia hasn't done uh, a daily money tip and gone out and created 365 audio bytes of what my daily money tip is and hedged their bets waiting for these things to take off um, so that they can be first mover advantage and they get on the Google or the Amazon commercials is crazy to me. And so I think that it's a really, really long-winded way, I'm sorry, like I get really caught off on tangents of saying that audio first in the home and the workplace will be led by these speakers and I think they will eventually replace radio. I think that it'll also create a new and more exciting way of what we experience as radio at the moment and be more kind of like content led and more on-demand led so you know the consumer mentality of I want to listen to this now and that next and whatever and I think there's a different range of opportunities depending on where you are on that audio kind of spectrum and if you're a podcaster and you have like a show that does 500 downloads a week teach people where to listen to your show on Google Home etc and leverage the fact that there's a novelty with people at the moment on the Google Home that I can then turn around to my friend and go have you checked out this Google Home thing yes you can ask it a joke but I also listen to this podcast on it like there's a small window of opportunity to capitalize on right now in the market so jump on board. I guess I just wanted to ask about where people are picking up the podcast from we're finding with our podcast we've been going for a year now and we can't seem to figure out a trend as to where and why they're picking up the podcast from certain places so we have it on our homepage, we have it on a blog page we have it from our source and we've tried every way possible that we can think of to figure out whether it's the length of the podcast the content who's speaking we can't figure out why so is there a rule of thumb to understanding why people are picking it up from certain places source or not no not really sadly unfortunately i mean if you can get featured by apple you generally see a one to three thousand per episode bump like anecdotally you know and that's that's pretty solid pocket casts i know has been really successful for some people's you know to get them kind of moving it really depends on like i think that again with that kevin costner mentality like you need to figure out where you want to drive people to find the show and put all of your marketing effort into that like if you only want to be found in apple itunes push everything to itunes all of your collateral all of your audio all of your everything you know what I mean. If you want to drive people to a closed ecosystem on your website, do that. You know, and figure out what those steps are before you, like push it kind of everywhere.
0: Thank you both for coming along, um, Sharon and Long. Amazing insights. Thank you for sharing some of your intimate stats and, and details that you know haven't necessarily been public in the past. So give them a round of Our applause. Pleasures. Thank
1: you.